Ew. We're supposed to be doing a serious show, guys. Yeah. Can we turn <laughs> this on into the show? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, let's do this. Hi, I'm Brian Keith Dalton, and I took a left at the valley. I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists. You know, we don't have non-astrologers and all that. But with religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud of being atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen. I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims. That's something to be ashamed. I'm an atheist. 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 Coming at you from some secret dojo, this is Left of the Valley. My name is Kevin, and I do know that everybody was Kung Fu fighting. Joining me is the intrepid ninjas that dwell in the shadows ready to strike at superstition. Now she'll use her mighty nunchucks to knock some sense into you, Nancy. Nunchucks, nunchucks. Are they, are they gold-plated nunchucks? <laughs> sure, why not? I want gold-plated nunchucks, and I'm ready to go. <laughs> she'll come out your ass into knowledge, Teresa. Hi. Yeah, that's what you say. Hi. <laughs> and his shurikens are always on target, Scott. No, they're not. <laughs> for the purpose of this show, they are. Guys, welcome back. Now is the time for religion to commit ritual suicide. Mm. Maybe. Maybe. What is this called? Sipoku or something like that? I forget. You know when you cut your belly open and. Oh, that's no, no, gross. Start- Nothing like starting on a high note. <laughs> Okay, well, kiddo, recover from that one, and on we go. Welcome back. Um, I wanted to uh, let our uh, listeners know that uh, today we were supposed to interview Kara Santa Maria. Unfortunately, being the extremely busy person that she is, she sort of had to cancel. I will be interviewing her later on this week, and we will uh, play her down the road uh, for sure. Uh, it'll be a pre-recorded interview, but you know, can. So we had a uh, a backup, and uh, he canceled as well so now we're left we're doing a potpourri <laughs> kind of episode we're going to be talking about a whole bunch of different things which is a good thing i mean sometimes you need a little pause a little break a little something different yeah, you know yeah. and now for something different and now for something different we've never right. done a potpourri episode no we so haven't. i guess this is our first after a hundred somewhat episodes <laughs> we're doing our first breaking new ground exactly so let's talk about it let's do a bit of chit chat uh, did you guys hear about Bill Nye? Bill Love Bill Nye, Nye science the science guy. And he sent a letter, an open letter to Donald Trump. Really? He did. Now, Bill Nye is the director of the Planetary Society. Right? And his letter essentially says, let's go to Mars. So I'm very excited about this. He gave, he gave five points in the letter. He's trying to convince the president to invest in science exploration Good luck with that, because we all know Trump is not all that much into science. I'm Donald Trump, and I approve this message. Yeah, but we could send him first. Yeah. Five points for Nancy right off the bat. He can radio back. (laughs) Impeach the president and put him in a capsule (laughs) off the planet. Well, give him the choice. You want to be impeached or you want to go to Mars. You know, Trump would probably make a good Martian anyway. He'd make a wonderful Martian, maybe. You know, there's a thought. It's a very dry red planet. (laughs) Easier to build a Trump Tower on Mars anyway. (laughs) (laughs) The Trump planet. There we go. We name Mars the Trump planet. So, in in the letter that Bill uh, sent to uh, Donald Trump, there are five main points that he wants to uh, the, the president to consider. He uh, hopes that the uh, U.S. are going to maintain the program of exploration of the of Mars. 
instead of cutting back because Trump has been doing a lot of cutbacks. Point two, he wants to, he hopes to uh, President Trump is get the direct NASA to make a plan for humans to be on Mars by 2033. Hmm. So sending man uh, vision. Uh, uh, a man mission yeah. to Mars. He's thinking big. Yes. He's hoping that uh, the president is going to expand NASA's science portfolio and do more than just, you know, a couple of satellites here and there and do more do more science. Uh, he's hoping also that the president is going to grow the commercial space industry. Now, that's interesting. You know, the Americans are very fond of using the private sector for doing these kind of things. Mm-hmm. I think that's already happening. Yeah, but I mean, if the president encourages via some subsidies here and there and some programs, uh, I think there's something to be said about that. And he hopes a 5% increase annually for the next five years of NASA's budget, which NASA's budget is pitiful compared to uh, what they I think give. they've already slashed NASA's I, I was just going to ask that. I, I, I don't know, along with everything else, <coughs> my, my next question was, did Bill Nye give some suggestions as to where the money is going to come from? Well, Money yeah. very could easily be found yeah. in the military well, yeah, one of, exactly. One of the newspapers, and I'm not sure which one it was, but I'm thinking it was a pro-Trump newspaper, actually had uh, a notification that NASA took the least of the cuts when they were announcing all the cuts to the really? government programs. Yeah. yeah, NASA wasn't hit as hard as the other uh, programs. Huh, okay. Huh. But still, the, bu- the budget of NASA is ridiculously small as what it could be. Um, what people might not know is, uh, no, I don't have the exact figure in front of me, but if I remember correctly, you have a 140% return when you, res- when you actually invest in science and heavy science. Um, I have a lot of people that always come to me and say, oh, why are they sending these rockets here and there while we have starving people? Well, I can understand that on the surface, but you also have to remember that you have to. Whenever you send a mission into space to study something, eventually something comes out of it. The GPS, for example, is a perfect example of that, right? Um, before they sent satellites into space to do uh, global positioning systems, uh, you had Morse code. Now everybody's got a GPS on their phone, and this is a, a direct link to doing some research into space. Yeah, the byproducts that come out, and you never know. I mean, something simple, like remember the the drink Tang? Houston, we have a problem. Yeah, Which was the, yes. that, I mean, I know it's a trivial phone. thing, it's a marketer thing, but it, it was a byproduct and people <laughs> loved it, yeah. Yeah. So you, uh, you never know from the, from the, the technological advancements to little things like Tang. Well, so if everyone it, enjoys their internet, which is yeah. what we're on right now, uh, you wouldn't have it without the space program because most of the communications are done through satellite now. That's right. I don't think there's any objection, really, in this day and age. It's how to fund it and whether or not it becomes a priority. And depending on who's in, you know, whether you've got a progressive or a conservative, you know, in... I think I'm going to slightly disagree with you, Nancy, because I I think people don't see the link. They don't see the link between the cell phone and the satellite and the space exploration. They don't see that. So when they see uh, a, a, a shuttle taken off, they don't have the shuttle anymore, but when they see something taken off, they think, oh, they're just going to go into space and put a few rabbits in orbit to, to see what, how the rabbits are doing, and that's it. But it's way more than just that. Way, way more. A little rent for that. <laughs> well, it's a, good, it's a good plan, and you know, we'll see over the next 10 years whether or not a part of it can be built in to uh to the system well yes. thank you to bill nye mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely love bill nye uh in other news kevin o'leary ah! <laughs> 
the oh, Bill guy, oh, the Kevin O'Leary, in the same, almost the same breath. <laughs> I'm trying to use the compliment sandwich. Start with positive, go with the negative. Kevin O'Leary, um, he's the guy that uh, used to be on Dragon's Den. I, I don't know if he still is. And uh, he's uh, running into the uh, for the conservative leadership. Uh, he just said that, the, just like a page right out of Donald Trump's book, that the thing is rigged right away. And uh, he's, he's saying that there's a whole lot of signing of fake members because you, you sign in members of the conserv- uh, the, uh, on the party to be conservatives, and they get to vote as to who the party leader is going to be. And he says there's a lot of signing of fake members. Well, duh. That's been happening forever. You know? I don't know what he's come up. You know, that turnip, that turnip truck just came around the corner, apparently. Um, and he missed this first campaign stop. He's lost his campaign. His campaign stop was in Winnipeg. He was supposed to be there. He missed it. And he Skyped in instead, and he blamed the weather, and his flight was canceled. And a couple of journalists found out after that that no flights were canceled. He was just in a business meeting, and he couldn't be bothered to be there on time. Oh, he, he well, there's the, first, there's the first lie. If yeah. We can document this guy He didn't think that anybody could check whether or not the flights were canceled? He, he obviously thinks that people are too dumb. In the States, you know what? This might have gone through because it's exactly the kind of stuff that Trump was pulling off but he doesn't realize that in Canada we still have some good journalists and good journalism and you know what you got caught with your pants down you're already right off the bat you don't have any credibility right off the bat this guy's a perfect politician apparently <laughs> good that will help get him you know in as the big loser oh I sure hope so I yeah. sure hope so I, I you know what I well we all saw what happened with Trump so I mean what the heck I just hope uh, I hope we're better than this uh, God I hope Please, out there, any Canadians listening to us. We're on our way down. (laughs) Don't do that. I will shoot you. (laughs) (laughs) You guys hear about the uh, Dutch election? I was just going to bring that up as, you know, Scott was talking about Trump, and I was going to say, well, at least there's a a grain of sanity in the world that we can turn to. That's right. I mean, uh, since Trump uh, was elected and just before him, the Brexit thing, there's been a bit of uh, fears that uh, the the entire world seems to be moving towards a more uh, isolationist position, you know, more right-wing. Popular, no, not populist, nationalist, what do you call it? Yeah, I think Populism. Populism, nationalism, nationalism, yeah, something like that. Anyway, not very good. Uh, but anyway, the uh, prime minister, his name is uh, Mark Root. I think I said that's right. Yeah, I think you said it right. Uh, he he won, and he actually pretty much destroyed his opponent, which was an anti-Islam, anti-EU, Geert Wilders or Wilders. He was yeah. defeated. I was so, glad to see his hair go. <laughs> I, I just can't see you know, two Trumps I, in the world. The heck with ideology. I was so glad to see that hair hey, go. you know, you might be onto something here. Is it the, the hair that turns the politician it, like it that? It sounds like it's the hair. That's the hair. So any politician with funky, funky hair. No, no. Not like nice hair like Justin Trudeau. No, it has the to Donald, be rude hair. The Donald is the... If you have a mop on your head, <laughs> to be... <laughs> uh, oh, well. So there's been relief in Europe after this whole uh, Brexit thing. So the people are saying, okay, maybe this is not too much of a trend. So hopefully we'll keep it on that. And remember last week we talked about the Senator Lynn Bayek? And yes. she she was uh, touting her support for the residential schools? Uh-huh. Well, she just doubled down. Dating by her words and called it, want to say it? Fake news. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. What the fuck are we going to do now? She called it oh. fake news. Oh. Right there. This is right out of Trump's book. 
The conservatives are pulling all the stops and they're going to try to bring Trump-style politics to Canada. You've heard it here first. I'm telling you, this is exactly what's going to happen. So good luck to Deep breath. Deep breath. Deep breath. Relax, relax. You know how I'm relaxing these days? This sounds so silly. But in a uh, animal adventure park in upper New York, they have two giraffes, and one is named Oliver and one is named April. And April is 15 years old, and Oliver is the daddy of the new calf, which is has an eminent birth. And there are thousands of people who are turning in to watch April walk around her pen in this extreme pregnancy state. And that's what we're it's all doing. It's calming. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been watching for three weeks. I turn it on, and I just stare, you know, into the screen and watch April. And it's so calming. So <laughs> at least there's an antidote. Giraffe you know, therapy. For all of the, it's giraffe therapy. What has the world come to when we turn to giraffe <laughs> therapy for our moment of zen? Giraffes don't have politics, so this is a good thing. Hey, hey, who says? They might have giraffe politics. <laughs> I have to admit, I've watched it well. <laughs> you know what's going to happen to this, right? Eventually, eventually that calf is going to be born and then they're going to say, oh, oops, sorry, we're pointing the wrong camera. They're wonderful because they're they're not intellectual animals. They're very slow moving hey, hey, hey. and they're beautiful to watch. Discrimination yes. against the long neck here? <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing here? Giraffes can be very intellectual, I bet. Oh, all right. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> <laughs> if you want to interview a giraffe, the next time someone cancels on the show more power to you yeah okay new direction for this show <laughs> all right dear i want to be there for the draft interviews <laughs> time for the state history oh all right here we go well this day in history is going to be a history highlight because we're moving on to a lot of other little trivial and important things. So today I'm just going to highlight one event, and the event is going to go back to 1940. Um, And uh, I think it's very apt uh, in, in terms of where we are now. In 1940, Charlie Chaplin, the great Charlie Chaplin, um, the, his movie in 1940 was called The Great Dictator. Is anybody oh, familiar with I'm The Great Oh, I'm very familiar with it. His speech. This speech, that's right. Um, the Great Dictator had to do with a country called Tomania and a uh, dictator whose name was Adnoid Henkel. And Charlie Chaplin, yeah, Charlie Chaplin played the part of the dictator and also played the part of a Jewish barber who had been imprisoned for 20 years and didn't really realize what was going on. Um, I'm not going to go into the movie because I would love everybody to see it. There is a scene in there that has to do with Adnoid Henkel and the Globe, which is an absolute classic. And I think it fits in some ways what's going on, what's going on with Trump. But I'll let you find that out for yourself. So in honor of Charlie Chaplin and the great dictator and um, March the 15th, I'm not going to read the whole speech, but I am going to read the beginning and the end. And I'm not going to do justice to it, but I just want to give everybody a little... A, a little taste of why this speech um, is so loved by so many. And many, many people call this the greatest speech ever written. I don't know whether yes. I... But it's up It's up there. It's up there. And this is given by Charlie Chaplin 
um, who is sort of impersonating Adnoid, um, but actually he's he's the he's still the the Jewish barber, and he starts and he says, "I'm sorry, but I don't want to be an emperor. That's not my business. I don't want to rule or conquer anyone. I should like to help everyone, if possible. Jew, Gentile, black man, white." We all want to help one another. Human beings are like that. We want to live by each other. We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery. We don't want to hate and despise one another. In this world where there's room for everyone, and the good earth is rich and can provide for everyone, the way of life can be free and beautiful, but we have lost the way. And then the speech concludes where he says, let's fight for a world of reason, a world where science and progress will lead us all to men's happiness. Soldiers, in the name of democracy, let us all unite. 1940, and it could be something that would have been written, you know, by, by someone today. Could have been written today, absolutely. So thank you, Charlie, and thank you for those inspiring words. And I think they... Uh, I th- Go ahead, and everybody who's listening, you don't know the movie... It's you can download it any place, oh, yeah. and you can see the whole speech in its entirety. See the whole, the yeah. whole the speech, speech in its entirety is very powerful. It's extremely yeah. powerful. It's kind of yeah. funny because I remember he's got he's got an arm band like the Nazi had, but yeah, they're like two X's instead of the Nazi symbol. Or something yeah, like it that. was two X's. Yeah, so yeah, because it it's, was a fictional. Oh yeah, of course. You know, yeah. film. But, but you knew what they were aiming at. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They knew what they were aiming at. Yeah, but, and the globes, I can't, I can't, you know. Touted enough, but if you've never seen what Henkel <clears throat> Henkel does with that globe, it's just brilliant, totally mm. brilliant. Yeah, absolutely, perfect. All right, uh, do you want to go? Do you want to do the quack watch or? We could. Okay, well, we could go right into that. While you're there, we might as well do while, that. While we're there, okay. Quack <laughs> watch. Yeah, this week we're, we're going to have not a really in-depth look, but I think a, I think a you know a pretty co- a pretty pretty good coverage of um, a quack um, category, mostly having to do with therapies. This is called orthomolecular therapies. anybody anybody heard of that? I've never word? heard of this. Okay, now. orthomolecular. Um, medicine, which is not medicine, but what's called orthomolecular medicine um, isn't a type or branch of medicine, but it's a set of beliefs regarding the role of nutrition and supplements in human health and disease. And they're beliefs that are generally not accepted by the majority in the scientific medical community, but they are embraced by a lot of people and they've made a lot of charlatans a lot of money. The name, which is actually straight cell, comes from Linus Pauling, who won the Nobel Prize, who we all you know, recognize as a wonderful scientist. But as Pauling grew older, he grew stranger and got into a lot of quacky stuff. And he was the one that started the, this whole belief about orthomolecular. And basically what it is, is that if, if one dose of a, if a small dose of a vitamin is good, a huge dose of it ought to be better. And the way people think that it, if you're taking vitamins that are enriching your body, then it ought to enrich your mind, and it ought, ought to compensate for any lack of vitamins that you or, or nutrients that you have in your body. And 
but one of the reasons it catches on is because we all know that certain vitamins are helpful. Vitamin C, remember back in the old days, people got scurvy because they didn't have yes. vitamin C. Uh, people in the Northwest, like Either where we are, we don't have enough sunshine, so vitamin D3 is helpful. So uh, like all scams and shams, the, the amount of truth in there is dangerous because it it gets the vulnerable and the needy and the desperate into believing well it's science i believe it yeah if i could take a vitamin it's it's going to have to help where orthomolecular um uh, therapy really gets into the um in, in, into the quack and into dangerous territory is when it gets into mental problems, and there actually is a branch of this called orthomolecular psychiatry, believe it or not. That's one of the outgrowths of it. Yeah, orthomolecular psychiatry is the use of orthomolecular medicine for mental illness. The approach uses unorthodox forms of individualized testing and diagnosis to attempt to establish an etiology for each patient's specific symptoms. So you can tailor, these guys who do this, tailor the amount of nutrients to autism, alcoholism, bipolar, depression, whatever you got, there's a formula that's going to going to help. How do these guys get away with it? They know exactly how far to get to close to the line. They can't say that this is used to cure mental illness. They can't even say that it's used for that. But what these guys do when they're pitching the product of um, uh, of, of the, the nutrients and vitamins and say some people have found this to be helpful, but we don't recommend that you give up your your medicine. We recommend that you you do exactly what your doctor says, and this is only a supplement. Yeah, using in conjuncture with yeah. Right, and th- that's how they still stay on the market. If they go over, if they use the word cure, or or say don't take your medicine, or this is a substitute for. At that point, yeah, Health Canada as well as the FDA in the United States would shut them down. You know, uh, immediately they do thousands and thousands and millions and billions of dollars worth of business in in both countries. And um, about two years ago, a, a group of friends and I actually went to one of the seminars that was being that was being held by a company called Q96. Has anybody heard of Q96? Yeah, there is a bell. There is a bell. Okay, well, there's a guy named Tony Stephan or Tony Stephen that started it. And actually, he, he, when he stands up there and gives his story, his, his wife was bipolar. His kids had problems. His wife had actually, I think, committed suicide. And he has a very sympathetic, he's a gray-headed guy where you immediately, I mean, he's a, he's a, a guy that immediately you know, has the the rapport that a lot of con men have. You immediately, he's believable. He's, you know, sincere, and he seems honest. And he he goes on about how these supplements started actually from from pig formulas and nutrients. And um, when he gets to the end, the people who were sitting there, 
he had some people there who were there for repeat business, and there were some there to say, please help me, I have a son who's drug addicted. Please help me, I have someone with cerebral palsy. Please help me. And we were sitting in the back, and we could see a lot of these people, you know, as the, the speech goes on and on and on, you know, thinking, this is finally, the doctors can't help me, now I finally found something that will relieve the symptoms, you know, for me or for, for my loved ones. And I just wanted to get up and grab Tony Stephen and pull him aside <laughs> and throttle him and then tell people, please don't spend $96 for a bottle of 120 pills that will do nothing and may harm you because they are an overdose. So, um, Tony Stephen and, and people like that, if you hear the word orthomolecular, run, run, run the other way. It's just, you know, it's something where they found they can uh, fool enough people and, and put enough money in their pockets that they can continue doing it. To make it worse, the, the Q96 is also... A, uh, a pyramid, uh, multi, uh, multi-marketing yeah. uh, way. So that's one way. Even if you never sell the product, you get a discount if you become a distributor. Yeah. So on two levels, the, the multi-marketing, the ortho-molecular people can There is can a lot the of these products like that. Screams yeah. of cult. Well, I mean, there is a business model where they, they, they can try to get you to become a distributor and sell it to you in to, uh, your immediate entourage. But from what I've seen of these, uh, they're not pyramid scheme per se, per se. They're multi-level marketing is what they call them. Um, you can do it, but you'll never make enough money to make a business out of it. You'll make enough money to pay for your own supplements, tops. And that's about it. And that's, you know, it's a way of distributing. And they're very sophisticated in trying to get people to... Um, Belong. It's almost like you said. It's almost yeah. like a cult and a religion. And, and, it is, and the, the the closer you are to the top of a pyramid scheme, the more money you make. The the farther away you are, the less you're going to exactly. make. But they have the rallies, and they have the the cars, and they have the stickers, and they have the discounts for traveling, and so it's presented as perks and benefits. I, I've got a friend who is uh, into uh, a supplement called uh, Isogenics, and. Um, She's a, she's a wonderful person, and the product itself is actually not bad. Uh, but they do have this kind of multi-level marketing, and I went to a, to a, to one of their their seminars, if you could call it that, and it was totally you know hypnotism on a mass scale. And you know we're we're doing this, we're going uh-huh. go, and and there's this one moment I'm sitting all this and I'm watching, and there's this one moment where this woman stands up and claims proudly and to the applause of everybody else. That she's given up on her law school and 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 her pursuing a law career to become a, a lawyer to do this selling of the products full time and people are applauding us and I'm looking around saying I I just about stood up and said you you people are crazy you know but I didn't do that because I didn't want to embarrass my friend that would have been dangerous well it probably would have been yeah but, but I understand because I had the same thing when I'm watching these people you know with with relatives and um you know sons and daughters that have gone through years of um, mental distress or or physical distress or illnesses and they think oh the doctors haven't been able to help me but if I if I spend my ninety six dollars you know for these these pills on a regular basis i'm going to see some improvement in the industry for over 20 years and i've seen the majority of people who yeah. are sick or dying 
they they'll try anything. Yes, and they get sucked into it. And at and the end, they spend thousands and thousands of dollars trying to save their loved ones, and they to, to nothing believe. happens. It, it just, it, I can. I mean, I can totally. We all can totally understand yeah. when you're desperate. You know, for good health, desperate for 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 uh, uh, you know, getting getting rid of a of a mental illness that debilitates you. You'll do anything. You really yeah. will, because if the doctors can't help you, you feel there's got to be a miracle cure. Yeah. And 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 it's so cr- it's criminal for these people to take a hundred percent advantage because they know mm. what they're doing. And of course, yeah. the mentality is, what do you have to lose, right? That's a mentality. It's, and yeah. uh, to, my, to my great shame, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit, I fell into these kind of traps myself uh, a, a lot. And I, I spent a lot of money trying new supplements, trying different things. Um, I was a big believer in, you know, nutrition and, you know, mind over body power kind of thing. I was for the longest time. Uh, but at some point, you, 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 like you said, you know, if 100 milligrams of vitamin C helps you, well, then 200 milligrams is probably even better, right? But at some point, you start realizing that the science science points out that you can only absorb so much. After that, it just goes to waste. It just goes, and this is why you're using the bathroom and it looks like you have radioactive urine all of a sudden. It's because, you yeah. know. Well, some of these vitamin supplements, if you overtake them, if you take too much, or if you have already have enough in your diet and you start taking the supplements, you could be poisoning yourself. Yes, vitamin A is a very good example of that. And there's also an issue that because we have um, industrialized a lot of our food system, a lot of the food that we consume is not necessarily as nutritious as it was 50 to 100 years ago. So all of these, I mean, these people are fooled, but they're fooled with facts in some sense right it's true that the apple that you have today the way it's grown is not necessarily as nutritious as it was in the old old days because it might be a different variety of apple or it could be a whole bunch of different factors but at the same time you know throwing yourself into vitamin x think it's going to solve all your problem is probably a bit foolish no well that's it i mean people people are who are are not scientists and they're not chemists and they're not nutritionists they hear a certain amount of truth which is true you know the nutrition the, the nutritious value of an apple yeah. may not be what it was a, a hundred years ago but that doesn't mean you know that this particular bottle of stuff is going to compensate exactly. and and you know bring you to you know an apple a day keeps the doctor away and yeah. shiny health these in people your future. Have, they have the best of intentions yeah. and they're, they're trying to do the best what's for them and they're, they're trusting an industry that, although some of there's some parts of the industry which is actually uh, legit, and they're, they're they're trying to do good things and put good products. There's also another part of the industry which is eh, a bit more iffy, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because we don't want to downplay, iffy? Iffy. you know, the, the appropriate I mean, use of vitamins and and yeah, nutritious, right? you know, supplements of, of one kind yeah. or another, and, and they're perfectly appropriate. But, but you've got to learn. The, I hate to sound like a grandma, but you've got to learn to tell the difference between fact and fiction, you know, and not, you know, not fall prey to something that's yeah. ultimately going to be harmful or do no good whatsoever. Here's an idea. If your doctor identifies that you're deficient in a vitamin and suggests a supplement, that might be the right time to take that supplement. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. <laughs> Too simple, Scott. <laughs> oh, perfect. Excellent. So thank you for that, guys. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to go on to commercial, and then we'll come back, and we'll do a spotlight. We haven't done that in a while. 
So we'll do a spotlight on George Carlin. So stay with us. Hi, I'm the Supreme Irreverend Dr. Randy Tyson from the Legion of Reason Diversion. Join me and my co-hosts, Christine Shelska, Twyla, and Nate Phelps, as we explore issues at the intersection of atheism, humanism, and skepticism. Topics range from alternative medicine to the interference of religion in public policy. We often have special guests to help us understand the topic du jour. Previous guests include biologist Jerry Coyne, ex-Muslim author Ali Rizvi, philosopher Peter Bogosian, and the late physicist Victor Stanger. You can watch us on the Legion of Reason YouTube channel or subscribe to the audio version through your favorite podcatchers such as iTunes or Stitcher. And don't forget to like the Legion of Reason Facebook page. If your skepticism is socially conscious and doesn't take itself too seriously, you might like life, the universe, and everything else. Ray Comfort, his big stumper was literally, which came first, the chicken or the egg? A lot of the interviews took place in front of a building that said liberal arts. (laughs) (laughs) I'm guessing that they're not all science majors. (laughs) Life, the universe, and everything else. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere else. I don't know, Zoom? Is that still a thing? Do you know where Saskatchewan is? Probably not. It's in Canada. If you do, you might know a city named Regina. In Regina, there's a studio. And in that studio, there are, at least once a month, a bunch of skeptical atheist geeks and goofballs who get together to do a podcast. We are the Brainstorm Crew, and we're trying to help spread a bit of reason and critical thinking while still having fun. Never taking things too seriously, but still not accepting everything we're told, we go through different topics, exploring them in depth, and often disagreeing. We try to stick to provable facts, and we never trust a myth. That's why we say we're woo-free since 2013. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spreaker under Brainstorm. Or check out our website, brainstormblog.net. I can't promise you'll always agree with us, but I can promise you'll have fun listening to us. All my friends are eating steak, it slow. Wait for them to ask you who you know. Please don't make any sudden moves. You don't know the half of the And we're back. You gotta stay hip with the music, right? At least try. <laughs> that was from the uh, movie Suicide Squad. Oh, I didn't yeah. see it. That's up. It's called. Uh, it's Heathens. fairly recent. You, you oh, see, all, you're, recent. you're a movie buff. You see everything. Oh God, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I do see a fair amount of them. I do like my movies. Yes. So anyway, we're gonna do a segment that we haven't done in a long time. Uh, we're gonna do a spotlight segment. Way better. We're going to do this on George Carlin today. Spotlight is a segment we came out to uh, try to teach people that instead of watching Paris Hilton and, you know, Donald Trump, maybe you should actually start looking at people that are actually worth looking at. There's a novel idea. There's a novel idea. (laughs) And today we're going to talk about the legendary comedian George Carlin. Now, George Dennis Patrick Carlin, he's got four first names like me. Hmm. It's kind of cool. He was born May 12, 1937. He died June 22, 2008. It's already been almost 10 years. Wow. I know. He was an American stand-up comedian, a social critic, actor, and author. Carlin was noted for his black comedy and thoughts on politics, the English language, psychology, religion, and various taboo subjects. 
Carlin and his, you guys might remember this, his Seven Dirty Words comedy routine. We think of them often, don't we? That's right. <laughs> Greatest moment in television history. Especially yeah. when it comes to radio and television, right? They were central to the 1978 U.S. Supreme Court case, the FCC versus Pacifica Foundation, in which a 5-4 to four decision affirmed the government's power to regulate indecent material on the public airwaves. He's widely regarded as one of the most important and influential stand-up comedians. One newspaper called Carlin the Dean of Counterculture Comedians. In 2004, Carlin was placed second on the Comedy Central list of the top ten comedians of U.S. audiences. Who was first? Uh, Did it say? I, I wonder who was first before him. I don't know. I, I mean, don't I, know. you know... Caught well, yes. you, I caught you unawares. You're asking me these questions that. I don't think of. Oh. No, sorry. <laughs> edit, it, edit me out. No, that's fine. <laughs> Shows my ignorance. Yeah, but I can, um, you know, he's he's so far, you know, oh, yeah. at any rate. He was a frequent performer on the, and guest host on The Tonight Show uh, with Johnny Carson and uh, hosted the first episode of Saturday Night Live in 1975. In uh, 2017, Rolling Stone magazine ranked him second behind Richard Pryor. Oh, maybe. Well, this is for Rolling okay. Stone, though. Uh, on the list of the 50 best stand-up comics of all time. Richard Pryor being number one. Richard Pryor was good too. Yeah, he was great. In uh, 1959, Carlin met Jack, uh, Jack Burns, a fellow DJ at a radio station of KXOL in Fort Worth, Texas. Your he, was there just, he was there just before I moved, yeah, so right. I, I missed him on the radio. They formed a comedy team, and after a successful performance at Fort Worth's beat coffee house called The Cellar, uh, Burns and Carlin headed for California in 1960. Carlin became a frequent performer and guest host on The Tonight Show, which I already said. Uh, Initially with Jack Parr as host, and then with Johnny Carson, uh, Carlin became one of Carson's most frequent substitute during the three the host three decade reign. He says substitute because often, just like we have experience today, a guest can drop. So what you do, you have a backup plan, and Carlin was that backup plan for Johnny Carson. Carlin was present at Lenny Bruce's arrest for obscenity. Do you remember that? I, I remember I, Lenny I, Bruce. I don't really remember that myself. As you were poli- too young for Lenny. Yeah, Bruce. I was a little, little before my time, too. Yeah. So as the police began attempting to detain members of the audience for questioning, they asked Carlin for his ID. Telling the police he did not believe in government-issued ID, he was arrested and taken to jail with Bruce in the same vehicle. Mm-hmm. And then the album FM and AM, which is one of his, his albums, became uh, proved very popular. It marked Carlin's change from mainstream to counterculture comedy. The AM side was as the extension of Carlin's previous style, which was zany but relatively clean routines. The FM style introduced Carlin's new style with references to marijuana and birth control pills, a playful examination of the word shit. In this manner, Carlin renewed a style of radical social commentary uh, commentary comedy that Lenny Bruce had pioneered in the, in the late 50s. In this period, Carlin perfected his well-known routine, Seven Words You Can Never Say on Television was recorded on Class Clown. On July 21st, 72, Carlin was arrested for, for uh, after performing this routine uh, at Milwaukee's Summerfest and charged with violating obscenity laws. Uh-huh. Obscenity laws. That's just amazing when you think about this today, right? <laughs> this show would probably be... In 1972, this show would be arrested for obscenity laws. <laughs> and this show is really kind of clean compared to some of the shows out there. It's pretty clean. <laughs> The case would prompted Colin to refer to the words at the time of the Milwaukee 7 was dismissed in December of that year. The judge declared that the language was indecent, but Colin had the freedom to say it as long as it caused no disturbances. In 73, a man complained to the FCC after listening with his son to a similar routine. Filthy words from Occupation of Fool broadcast one afternoon over 
WBAI at Pacifica Foundation, which of course prompted the whole FCC thing. The radio station in New York City, Pacifica, received a citation from the FCC for violating the regulations that prohibit broadcasting obscene material. The U.S. Supreme Court upheld the FCC action by a vote of 5-4, to four, ruling that the routine was indecent but not obscene, and that the FCC had authority to prohibit such broadcasts during hours when children were likely to be amongst the audience. That was an era where there was between Lenny Bruce and uh, George Carlin and, um, oh, I'm trying to think of uh, the black comedian who was uh, had a TV show. I'll, uh, I'm probably not going to think of it. But there were several of them that really went, you know, past the barriers to, you know, to set the ground, you know, a new ground for the younger comedians. Mm. I can't think of his, but maybe by the end of the show, my mind will kick in. <laughs> You're not thinking of Bill Cosby. It serves me right. No, no, okay. be, before that. He had he had this show that was based on the British show, Something in Sun, Sanders, San, um, I'm afraid Red I can't. Fox. Oh, oh, go, yes, of Red course. Fox. There we go, thank of you. Course. Ooh, I know if I kept talking so, long enough. So, <laughs> so, do we know, so do we know the seven words? Anybody want to say them? Okay. Shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits. Those are the heavy sevens. They will infect your soul, curve right, your spine, that, and You hear them all in every episode of every television show now. <laughs> Today we do, yeah. So he says, those are the ones that infect your soul, curve your spine, and keep the country from winning the war. And that was a quote from George Carlin himself. <laughs> Carlin unexpectedly stopped performing in 1976 when his, uh, his, when his career seemed to be at, at its height. For the next five years, he rarely performed stand-up, although it was at this time that he began doing specials for HBO. Uh, he later revealed that he had suffered the first of three heart attacks during his layoff periods. He was having heart issues. In 1989, he gained popularity with a new generation of teens when he was cast as Rufus, the time-traveling mentor of the character Bill and Ted in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Remember that? I do so. He also reprised the role in this in the sequel, as well as the first season of the cartoon series. He also played the role of Mr. Conductor on the PBS show Shining Time Station. Seen it. And narrating the <laughs> show... He's also narrating the show's sequence of the American version of Thomas the Tank Engine and Friends. Seen that as well? I had no idea. I really had no I, idea. I had children. He was, <laughs> it was the American version, and he was replacing Ringo Starr. Mm. That was narrating from the British version. Yeah. In 1991, Carlin also had a major supporting role in the movie Prince of Tides, which Nick Nolte and Barbara Streisand portraying the gay neighbor of the main character's suicidal sister. He had many other different roles like that, and then he abandoned his acting career to pursue stand-up, to keep doing stand-up. Carlin later explained that there were more pragmatic reasons for abandoning his career, uh, acting career in favor of stand-up. In an interview for Esquire magazine in 2001, he said, Because of my abuse of drugs, I neglected my business affairs, and I had a large array with the IRS, and that took me 18 to 20 years to dig out of it. I did it honorably, and I don't begrudge them. I don't hate paying taxes, and I'm not angry at anyone, because I was complicit in it. But I'll tell you what it did for me. It made me a way better comedian, because I had to stay on the road, and I couldn't pursue that movie career, which would have gone nowhere, and I became a really good comic and a really good writer. He was so honest. I think that that was maybe the essence of what he was doing, is there was always an honesty 
you know, a human honesty to, to what he was doing. And you could read, you might not want to say what he said out loud, but you sort of thought it and you realized I've got a connection with someone who expresses life the way I, th the crazy way I see life sometimes exactly. too. Yeah. Of course, he's received many, many comedy awards, obviously. In 2001, just one of them was the Lifetime Achievement Award at the 50th Annual American Comedy Awards. Uh, the uh, Aspen Comedy Festival, the George George Carlin 40 Years of Comedy, hosted by John Stewart, etc., etc. <coughs> Excuse me. He also criticized religion, mock traditional oath affirmation on the Bible as bullshit, make believe, and kid stuff. However, in the same show, he warned, "You got to be happy, don't be proud, and there's too much pride as it is. Pride goeth before the fall." Never forget Proverbs, and that's a weird. Kind of saying he had all of a sudden. <laughs> he described and derided the types of hats that religion ban or require as part of their practice, and remarked that he could ne he would never want to be part of a group that requires or bans the wearing of hats. Carlin joked in his second book called Brain Droppings that he worshipped the sun because he could see it and prayed to Joe Pesci because he seemed like a guy that could get things done. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that was George Carlin. I've yeah. got a small clip here of George, if you want to hear George. He's on the show with Bill Maher. Let's, let's listen into this. Uh, my, the, I found a position for myself some time ago that gives me some detachment, and that is when you're born in this world, you're given a ticket to the freak show, and in America you get a, in America you get a front row seat. And, and I, it is my opinion that at the base of most of the evil in the world is religion of any kind. I and, and everything has grown out of that and the hatred among and between religions is an example the number of people who have died in the name of god far exceeds any other purpose such as political or or, or, or national interest that you can name and generally they're mixed anyway the religion is thr thrown into the national interest sorry george i'm, I'm getting a ball game here on i don't know why i was in the phone rang for some reason on bill Maher's show so that was george carlin and that was our spotlight on george he was he was great. He really he really was. You can anything that he said, whatever year it was, you can pull it up and it it still resonates, doesn't it? Exactly, exactly. I was amazed that he was always right, <laughs> <laughs> and had the courage to say it. <laughs> so since we're doing a whole bunch of interesting little stories, we'll do something we haven't done also in a little while. We'll do things that make you go. Yeah, nice little story for you guys today. Now, things that make you go, hmm, is very close to another brilliant moment, but it's not necessarily on religion, but they're just things that kind of make you think. <coughs> now, it's no secret that Siberia's permafrost has become, has been on thin ice lately because of climate change. Conditions are varying so much that huge holes are appearing out of nowhere. You know, like, uh, what are they called? Uh, Sinkholes. Sinkholes. And in some places, tundra is quite literally bubbling underneath people's feet. But new research has revealed that one of the biggest craters in the region in Siberia, known by the local Yakutian people as a doorway to the underworld, is growing so rapidly that it's uncovering long-buried forests, carcasses, and up to 200,000 years of historical climate records. Known as the Batagaika Crater, it's what is officially called a mega slump or a thermal crust. Many of these mega slumps have been appearing across Siberia in, re in recent years, but researchers think that Batagaika could be one of the, something of an anomaly in the region. 
located around 660 kilometers or 410 miles northeast of the region's capital city of Yakust. Not only is the crater already the largest of its kind, it's almost one kilometer long and 86 meters deep, and it's getting bigger all the time. Now, the, um, research, the research, uh, researcher uh, Alexander Gebiskev um, at the uh, Alfred Wagner, in Wagner Institute in Germany revealed that the head wall of the crater has grown by an average of 10 meters per year over the past decade of observation. And in warmer years, the growth has been up to 30 meters per year. So this thing keeps on growing as mm. the climate is changing. <coughs> the team also suspects that the side wall of the crater will reach a neighboring valley in the upcoming months as temperatures heat up in the northern hemisphere. On average, on many years, we have seen there's no so not so much acceleration or deceleration in these rates. It's continuously growing, and continuous growth means that the crater will get deeper and deeper every year. That's not great news for climate change. The crater formation at first started after a large chunk of forest was cleared nearby in the 1960s. Because the ground is no longer shaded by in the warm summer months, because the trees are gone, <coughs> then the methane, uh, it heated up more rapidly than in the past, causing uh, the permafrost to melt and the ground to collapse. And of course, it has a tendency to release methane at the same time. So this is not, yeah, this is not pretty. Uh, any thoughts or something like that? That's too scientific for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, has anyone it's here, beyond my pay grade. Go ahead, Scott. Has Talk anyone here ever been to the north? Uh, well, how far north? Uh, where you would find permafrost. No, not myself. Okay, no. I have. Oh. Well, permafrost is a very interesting thing in the summertime. Now, in the wintertime, obviously, it's not an issue. Everything's frozen. It's minus 50, minus 60 degrees. In the summertime, when it starts to melt, you can walk across it. Where I was, I was right on Ellesmere Island, and as you walk, the the ground that you're stepping on would sink, and water would come up out of it. And we found out how deep this went because we planted a few trucks by accident by going off the road. <clears throat> we built our own roads up there. It was uh, it was a Canadian military installation, so they would they would build their own roads to wherever they needed to go but if you accidentally went off the road all of a sudden you were in a six inch quagmire the wheels would just drop through the permafrost through the through the ground and it was water underneath it was it was like a like a swamp almost yeah so once you broke that surface so yeah and, and what's happening is that's that melt is going deeper and deeper and deeper every year and yeah. it's causing problems because it accelerates the rot that traditionally has been frozen. Exactly. Right? So that's where the methane's coming from. And yeah, this, this ground, that water's got to go somewhere. Eventually, when it gets deep enough, that water's going to find ways of draining off. And when it drains off, that's where you get your sinkholes. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. So, Apparently, uh, the, uh, they found in, in that hole, they found the uh, preserved remains of long-buried forest, ancient pollen samples, and even wow. the frozen remains of a muskox, a mammoth, and a 4,400-year-old horse. Huh. Wow. <coughs> In Siberia, so it's going to be interesting. I love you. I, I don't know if you guys can see from here, but I've got a little picture. If you guys want to take a look, this this thing really looks like like a hellhole when you look at it. It's kind of it has the shape of a T. It looks pretty horrible, actually. Huh. Pretty bad looking. That is nasty looking. Yeah. Well, I'd rather read about it than be there. That's uh, my scientific well, uh, contribution to this conversation. Well, I'm sure, though, the people studying it 
are probably looking at the wealth of information they're oh, getting I'm sure. from, from yeah. what's being uncovered. Yeah, but at, at the same time, it's one of those things that we have a tendency, oh, it's out of sight, out of mind, it's inside of Siberia, we don't care about it, but it is affecting the entire planet. That methane that's being released is not just staying over Siberia, right? It's going all over the place. Yeah, and that methane being released isn't just in Siberia, it's all across the Canadian north and all across Europe's north. That, uh, that permafrost is melting, methane's being released, and it's accelerating global warming yeah yeah i think gone are the days when you look at something and say oh that doesn't affect us it's way over there yeah oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Way, over way over there it's a, small, you know, small there's a way of turning up under here. our feet okay well let's finish the show with our usual another brilliant moment we just love this little segment and i've got a good one today since i've got two ladies here today i certainly want your 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 opinion you guys know of the little country that apparently is a bastion for women's right called saudi arabia <laughs> I'm joking here. <laughs> Saudi Arabia launches a girls' council without women. Ooh, you suck. <laughs> Photos of the first meeting of the Qasim Girl Council in Qasim Province, Saudi Arabia, shows only men in attendance. Of well, course, girls are too delicate to attend those things, right, Teresa? <laughs> I agree. No, women shouldn't have any rights on what to say about anything about women, right? So the internet mocked the representative, uh, repressive regime after a picture of the, the Kwasim Girl Council emerged online. The, pub- the publicity photos promoting the event that was supposed to promote women's right in the kingdom <coughs> featured no women at all. Instead, photos of the first meeting of Girl Councils featured 13 rogue men on a stage. <laughs> Way to go, wow. Saudi Arabia. Let's send, let's send Dr. Ruth Wertheimer uh, <laughs> yeah. to help, help him out. Don't go sexually frustrated. Maybe they're transgender. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Or at least transvestite, maybe? Gosh. According to the reports, women, there were women there, but they were kept in another room and only allowed to speak via video. Because, you know, you don't want a woman to speak her mind in front of an audience. My God, what could happen? Uh, Why, that should give well, you ideas. They're not allowed to be around men. That's right. I never saw a religion that's so afraid of women. Mike, go on. Walk 20 feet behind? Yeah, yes. yes. Oh. Well, well, I thought it was five paces, but... <laughs> big paces. Big, big paces. <laughs> Four feet paces. So, Saudi Arabia, where misogyny is the norm, and women are treated as property, has strict segregation laws regarding men and women. I don't see any problems with that, do you? That's bound to make a health, healthy society. Sure. In fact, Saudi Arabia, women are second-class citizens, treated more like children than adults. In Saudi Arabia, women are required to dress in black from head to toe. They require permission from a male guard to travel, work, and or marry. Adding insult to injury, Saudi Arabia is the only country in the world which does not allow women to drive. The only country in the world. A backward, ugly, mean, and repressive regime, the Saudi Kingdom gives out the death penalty for homosexuality, denies women the most basic human rights, and commits many other despicable human rights abuses. What wasn't it? Who, who was there from Saudi Arabia at the White House visiting Trump just last week? I'm sure His they banker. Had, yeah, I'm sure they had, <laughs> had a wonderful conversation about oh, yeah. women's rights. Sure Can you imagine did. Trump, you know, upholding women's rights and saying, "Hey, you know, you guys ought to have a bikini contest. <laughs> I'll come and judge it." Yes, right. <laughs> in addition to the abysmal treatment of women and homosexuals, Saudi Arabia is a place where migrant workers are routinely tortured and sexually abused, while young children are frequently imprisoned and even executed without a trial. Mm-hmm. In Saudi Arabia, atheists are considered terrorists. Beware, the Let the Valley crew will kill you. 
I'll stay in Canada, thanks. Yes, <laughs> same here, same here. And atheism is prosecuted as a crime with lengthy prison sentences or even the death penalty for anyone calling the atheist thoughts or calling into question the fundamentals of Islam because mm. you can't argue with the fundamentals of Islam. They're so true. <laughs> They're not on the travel ban, though. Interesting. Really? In Saudi Arabia, there is no political reform, no religious freedom, no freedom of speech. It is, in fact, one of the most repressive regimes in the world and an insult to human rights and human dignity. Bottom line, a picture is worth a thousand words, and the image of the first meeting, the Qasim Girls Council, is all one needs to begin to understand the death of misogyny and discrimination in Saudi Arabia. Hmm. Any thoughts? Scary. Well, not any good ones. <laughs> no good <laughs> thoughts at all out of that story. No, but you know what, Nancy? If you give it, if you give it, <laughs> if you insert Allah in your heart, you will understand why you need to be wearing black and not speak in my presence. I am a man. In your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> what planet and are you from? And not good ones. I know. <laughs> I've just got lasers shot at you. Teresa and Nancy. Ladies, ladies. Well, he's poison uh, dart. I'm trying to hide spot. under a rock over here. Like... <laughs> yeah, you just... <laughs> you just stay there, Scott. Thanks for coming to my defense. Thanks for coming to my defense. Be seen and not heard. <laughs> I've got another little story here. We'll close with this one, I guess. Um, the, G the GOP candidate, God wants Christian to rule over us. This is in the states, obviously. Theocracy alert! Pennsylvania State Representative Rick Sacone or Sacone is running for the Senate because he believed God wants Christians to rule over the U.S. Huh. This is the problem with religion. They're always dominionist. And if they, if they had a religion that's, okay, you worship God in your own home, in your bedroom or whatever, and, you know, you pray at your altar, nobody would give a rat's ass. But it's the fact that they always want to shove it down your throat. They always want to rule over you. They want to make the rules for everybody. There's the problem. And the problem is that, that for the first time in at least eight years, there is a majority, and that gives them a sense of power and entitlement. So it's it's, it's tough to deal with them now. They're on a roll. Yeah. I mean, they'll eventually it'll it'll fade. It, it really will. I I'm optimistic enough to to really think it will. But right now they're on a roll. That's exactly what he says in a radio interview. He argued that Christians must take control of the government. Quote, if Christians don't get involved in government, the government will get involved in you, and you won't like the results. The government will run over you, and you won't have a say in it. I don't know what it is about the Americans being so <coughs> concerned about the government like that all the time. Like you have a say in religion. Yeah, exactly, uh -huh. right? Yeah, you have a say. You have much more of a say in your I'm government. Sure, I'm sure all those people uh, in, in the 1400s that were accused of witchcraft and <gasps> were drowned or burned, uh, I'm sure they had a say in, in oh, yeah, religious <laughs> control. And, you, of course, you know... They went to hell exactly because they wanted to go there too, right? So, <laughs> so Christian most, mostly the say is, oh, it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> That's as much of a say, I think, as you got in the 1400s. Ouch. Any bets on when we start the witch burnings again? <laughs> <laughs> Probably soon enough. I mean, it's still happening in Africa, right? So Christians have to stand up and make sure they have a say in their government and they're protecting their rights and their religious liberties, which are being trampled on every day across this nation. If we don't speak out, those liberties will be taken away. You can see day after day, case after case. How, how, how incredibly delusional do you have to be? And, you know, I, I, I should ask that to even my own folks because 
sometimes they're falling for this line that somehow they're persecuted. Somehow Christians are persecuted in this country, in Canada, and they are in the U.S. I mean, are you freaking kidding me? Where, where do you see this persecution here, you know? I don't think I don't think any anybody's denied a, a government office or a position of power or anything like that on the basis of them being Christian. Uh, actually, They're, in the United States, it's the atheists that are denied government exactly, office and positions exactly. of power. Exactly. And by law, in certain states, it's exactly what happens. So I, I have no idea what this. You can believe. And and the funny thing is, you can believe in a god, in any god. I don't care what you believe in, but if you believe in something, anything, you can have a, an office in the United States. Now, that is so hypocritical. Yeah, it is. So what's the difference if you don't believe? <laughs> well, it's better to believe in the flight spaghetti monster than nothing. Well, I mean, okay, that, I, think, I think that's a subject of another show, Scott. I really do. But we ought to you know, spend a, a little serious, more time. That's a yeah. very serious that's subject. A, it it's is. Very it's, heavy. It, it truly is. But it, I want to watch and see what's going to happen with Aaron at this point in, in Texas. I mean, I wish him all the luck. I hope he wins. But I wonder whether or not that's going to be a, a struggle for him yeah, in, the well, state, in the state I'm, legislature. I mean, I wish him all the best. Oh, I, I do too. I sure hope he makes at least a dent. Uh, I mean, uh, I don't want to sound pessimistic, but I think probably his odds are slim. But nonetheless, the fact that he's bold enough to do it now. Oh, yeah. And, and it shouts out to people that, yeah. If he's just opening some people's eyes. Yeah. That's, that's that's something. That's already a start, yeah. Yeah, I, I, th I think if there's anybody that, you know, has the wherewithal and the intellect to do it, I, I think Aaron might, you know, might break the ice, as they say in politics. He's then. he's definitely got the intellect, and he definitely he, has he does. the we'll ability to We'll speak. watch it very closely. Yeah, and there's, uh, I think there's also, it's, it's, I guess it's a topic for another show, but it's always been a problem that we have in the, in the uh, free thought uh, movement and the atheism movement is, we have a hard time sticking together. It's one thing that church does very well. It's a sense of community. Here, uh, because a lot of us, you know, feel a bit maybe burned by religion, we have a tendency to not necessarily go out and be as communal as the religious people are. We have a tendency to, you know, it's like herding cats, right? And I think that that, that works against us. That, that is exactly what it is, because the, the fact that I don't have a belief in something is where it's coming from. I, I don't have a belief. Well, I don't need to share that with you. I don't need to form a group. I don't have a belief. Then that's my position, right? So it is kind of like herding cats because everyone has their own position. They all have their own. Whereas in a religion, it's a shared position. Exactly, exactly. And I, I, I speak to a lot of atheists that sometimes, you know, if you tell them, hey, why don't you come and help us on the show or something like that, they'll say, you know, hey, you know what, I was doing all kinds of things when I was in the church, and now I'm, I'm free of it, I don't want to get back into something like that. Uh, I understand, but at the same time, it's working against us. Uh, sure it is. It, it totally is, and it's, I, it's what I blame for one of the reasons why we don't have the numbers where we should have them today, because let's face it, when it comes to non-believers, we're a bigger minority than a lot of the minorities out there, whether it's the black, the Jews, or uh, or the homosexuals, or something like that. There's more, many more of us than them, but yet they have all their own lobby. You know, they have their lobby in the states. You know, the, the, the Jews have a powerful lobby in the states. For example, we don't have anything. So if we actually manage to stand up as as one and actually have a bit of a voice and have a bit of a lobby. The world will be a different place. Well, I'm, I've been happy to see lately, I'm trying to think of when I began to see this on CNN, but Ronald, Ra uh, Ronald Reagan. Oof, um, you just went back there. Um, <laughs> um, 
what what's Ronald Reagan? What's his name? It's in char with the um, Freedom from Religion Foundation. Ronald Reagan's son is now doing commercials oh, yes. on scene. All of a sudden, I forgot his first. Not Ron. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, what's uh, Ronald Reagan's son? I'll, um, I'll keep talking. I'll look it up. Yeah, no, he's he's great, and the the uh, commercials are well done. They're about thirty minutes, and then he um, he talks about the the fact that the that the um, the group is is available, you know, for people to join, and then he ends it with saying, "Life life um, lifelong atheist and not afraid to burn in hell," and it's on CNN. Mm. And I think that eventually wow. is Michael, going to be... Michael Reagan. No, it's not Michael. Michael's the stepson. Uh, Ron, it's then? Not. There's a Ron? Yeah, Ron. Is it Ron Reagan? Yeah. Okay, so that's Ron, why I was thinking Ron? Ron. That's why I was thinking Ron, but it's, it is Ron. But, um, but he's, a, he's a very personable guy, and I think those commercials are eventually... You know, not immediately, but I think they're going to going to pull people together and say, "Wow, he's on CNN. There must be something credible here." Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is Ron Reagan. Well, I'm there's sorry. a lot of there's a lot of closet atheists out there. Yeah, there yeah. is. There is. I, I know of a great many people that I work with that are atheists, but it never comes up in conversation because mm-hmm. we don't talk about it. I, I think I think most most believers out there, most people that. Did, Call themselves Christians, for example, in, in this area anyway. I think they're, they're, I call them cafeteria Christians. You know, they don't think about God. Yeah. They don't pray at night. You know, they go to Mass once in a blue moon on an occasion because it's Christmas or something like that. That's about as much a wedding. They're they're part of the herd. Exactly. They follow the they herd. just follow the herd. They just follow the herd. People don't really give it much thought. And anyway. Well, great show, guys. Thank you so much for helping us with all this. We had a bit of a potpourri show. That was kind of fun. It is. I think, we ought, to, I think we ought to do this every now and then and give, uh, give our a, guests a break. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean a, a break from all the great interviews we have? Yeah, sure. Like, you know what? We've been giving you guys too many great interviews. That's from right. On, we're just going to just... There you go. We're just going to give you once a month and maybe we'll have a good interview. Yeah. Right? But you should be just so lucky to have it. <laughs> when I grew up, I didn't have any interviews at all, and I liked it. <laughs> no, I like I like it. I mean, now that we've done it, what do you feel about it, there, Mr. Kevin? Oh, you, you like the potpourri show? Why not? There you go. How about you, Teresa? I liked it. Scott, this was fun. It's unanimous. It's always fun. We'll do it again. It's always fun. Yeah, it's always fun. Well, like I said, we'll have Kara Santa Maria later on in another show. Uh, but next week, we'll be talking to Jeb Newman of Life, the Universe, and everything else. So that's very cool. It's another Kenny mm-hmm. podcast. So that should go. be fun. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on uh, Twitter at LATV Podcast. You can send us an email at leftadvalley at outlook.com. You can send your complaints at nancy at leftadvalley.com. <laughs> Third floor. Go, <laughs> <laughs> so Nancy. <laughs> uh, anything else I need to say? No? Nada. Thank you, guys. Until next time. Intelligent people can reach the conclusion that all non-believers are evil What a fucked up statement Do you realize what you're saying? But according to your book, this is how your God made me Skeptical of anything that contradicts history Denies evolution, hates science, promotes mystery I'd rather see the truth than to bask in my own ignorance Rather be alone than 
was surrounded by damn idiots As long as there's a breath in my body You can bet your last dollar I'll be working hard fighting this problem Religion is a disease It comes from culture Only true on a regional scale Science is universal Were you to say that Horus isn't real But Jesus is Or Zeus, Thor, Mithra, Vishnu You don't believe in them I think the reason is apparent You do what you're told And believe in the God assigned by your parents I'm proud to be an atheist A skeptic, a non-believer An infidel, a heathen I call it how I see it I say it's ignorance And you just call it faith And unsubstantiated claims That's something to be ashamed I'm an atheist Let me take a sec, don't mean to sound so hateful But I swear to God, pun intended, I find it disgraceful That thousands of children are raped by priests And since they're holy men of God, they get away scot-free And the Pope does his very best to keep it on the hush Don't wanna affect business, he loves money too much We know that they love the kids, but how the fuck can we protect them While they planning to molest them, we teaching them to respect them the system is broke down, working backwards in the only action of tactic I plan to practice now is to attack them The parties of God's hands are bloodstained Millions of murders by believers And they're all in God's name And let me take a sec, don't mean to sound so hateful But I swear to God, unintended, I find it disgraceful That many atheists are told to be quiet You're not alone, speak your mind, time to let it be known I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen, I call it how I see it I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims That's something to be ashamed, I'm an atheist